Welcome to Week in Review, where we recap events and issues pertinent to Central Illinois. I'm WMBD News Director Will Stevenson. Some of Peoria's best in uniform are getting ready for an important mission. Around 180 members of the Peoria-based 106th Aviation Regiment and the 935th Aviation Support Battalion of Kankakee are about to be sent to the Middle East. A mobilization ceremony was held within the last week in Peoria, attended by Governor J.B. Pritzker and others. The members of the 106th will go to Fort Hood, Texas for training ahead of being deployed to U.S. Central Command. They've been trained on a new type of Black Hawk helicopter called the Victor that will likely be used in the Middle East. Major General Richard Neely is the commander of the Illinois National Guard. For the 106, as we recognize the 106 Aviation Battalion, as they prepare for their deployment to the Middle East. Uh, thank you, Governor Prisker, Lieutenant Governor Stratton, for those uh, very incredible words. I uh, really appreciate, uh, you know, the, Lieutenant Governor talked about how veteran-friendly and how military-friendly Illinois is. And unless you do a real deep study on how other states support their veterans, you may, not, you may miss that uh, of how friendly Illinois is to their veterans and that. So I thank you both for taking time to be here today. Um, they're an incredibly busy schedule. And, and Governor Pritzker, prior to COVID, was at uh, every one of our deployment ceremonies. And so today, as we kind of move uh, back to normal, or at least the new normal, it's so great to have him and, and uh, Lieutenant Governor here, but most importantly, our families uh, that are here to recognize our soldiers as we uh, prepare to say farewell to them uh, as they prepare for this deployment. Today, we recognized a lot of VIPs and distinguished guests uh, that are here today uh, in the room with us. Uh, but the most important people that are here are these soldiers that stand in front of us who will deploy to the Middle East and support this mission in their country. The rest of us are here really to recognize and honor your amazing service and what you're about to do as you carry the flag of freedom around the world. This year we celebrate our 300th year, uh, our 300th anniversary as the Illinois National Guard, dating back to the first muster in uh, 1723, 95 years before statehood, when Illinois had a militia that was here on the frontier that protected its, its citizens. And we today recognize, and, and it's very humbling when we think about the number of soldiers and airmen that have deployed to support and defend this great nation both at home and abroad. And I know this de deployment was extraordinarily challenging to prepare for, for the 106, as they led the nation in the upgrade of the UH-60 Blackhawk to the Victor model. And as the governor stated, the 106 has led this innovation, not only being the first to field this aircraft, but being the first to actually deploy this aircraft overseas. This command has heard me speak many times about how the Illinois National Guard must innovate and how we must lead the nation with our technical skills. And that's exactly what you have done. This unit's been exemplary in making that happen. And true to Illinois National Guard fashion, you set the bar very high for others to follow. Although it, it took the entire unit to accomplish, if I could recognize one person it would be the commander, Lieutenant Colonel Jason Soletti, 
who was stalwart in this endeavor, providing vision and drive when others said modernization wouldn't move forward. And I heard a lot of that at the national level. And I'd bring Jason in on a regular basis and say, hey, where are we at with this? I'm getting, getting other feedback. And Jason and the entire team, uh, Colonel Saletti and the entire team continued to push forward and made this a reality. So let's give them all a round of applause. As you prepare to deploy today, you should be very proud of your service as you answer the call for this deployment. This mission is extremely important to support the Central Command Area responsibility with aviation resources. And each one of you truly epitomize the values of a soldier and what it is to be a guardsman and woman who protect their neighbors and defend their nation. In today's society, few really understand the dedication and sacrifice to serve because so few actually serve in the military. Not sure if you realize it, but today we're at the smallest percentage of the U.S. population that wear this uniform. In fact, it's six-tenths of one percent of the U.S. population, or a little more than a half a percent, are currently serving in the military. And that includes the active duty, the National Guard, and the reserves. This is why few may truly understand what it is to be a military member. And as a 1%, your service and desire to serve is truly special. Your willingness to deploy with your unit is difficult to explain to those who have not served. And for those that are not familiar with a service culture, you are the 1%, or as I like to say, the one percenters. The 1% who protects the 99, the 1% who raises the right hand, says, I'll go, I'll spend a year away from my family, I'll defend my country, so the 99 are not required to. Therefore, as the one percenters, I want to thank each and every one of you for your dedication and service. So let's all give them a round of applause. And finally, important to your success is the family members. And I really appreciate all those that are in the crowd today. The family who keep us move, the family moving forward when the soldier's gone. It's the family that we could not do this job without their support. In fact, I believe the family has the hardest job of all. Unlike the soldiers, you did not raise your right hand, you did not swear an oath, you did not join the military, but by extension you're, of your guardsmen or woman, uh, you have agreed to serve. With your soldier deployed, you must continue. The family must pick up the load of your soldier as he deploys or she deploys. Because the grass still needs cut. Probably, unfortunately, the snow is still going to need to be moved. Kids will need to be picked up from school. Birthdays and holidays will still occur, and someone needs to ensure that the family continues to operate. So a heartfelt thank you uh, for the, to the families for the support of the Illinois National Guard and for the support of your nation. Let's give the families a round of applause as well. In closing to the soldiers, 
of the 106. As you prepare to deploy, please know that we are here to support you and your families while you're away. And I look forward to seeing each and every one of you when you return. Be safe and God bless. Major General Rodney Boyd, Assistant Adjutant General Army and Commander, Illinois Army National Guard. Prior to the ceremony, I had an opportunity to, to meet some of the soldiers and the family members and speak to you. And for all the ones I didn't meet, I want to say a couple of things. First and foremost, every now and then, you get an opportunity to do something great for this nation. And today is that opportunity. You're going to go downrange, and you're going to do something great for this nation. And I appreciate that. And I, 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 I know you're going to do a great job. But I'm going to leave you a couple of nuggets real quick. People first. People first in all that you do. So that means for the leaders, take care of the soldiers that you're in charge of. Lead with empathy. They're going to have some things going on. They're going to be out of character a little bit. But it's up to you to understand that and guide them through those hard times. Soldiers, trust your leadership. They're in position for a reason. They have your best interest at heart. For the group, I want you to challenge yourself while you deploy. I want you to challenge yourself and come back a better person. Learn how to speak a new language. Take care of a primary military education course. Come, come back more physically fit. But whatever you do, come back a better person. Also, keep the lines of communication open to your family members. They're concerned about you, and they should be. The job you're going to do is not easy. Don't get overseas and get too busy for them. Reach back to them. Let them know that you're doing fine. And lastly, be safe in all that you do. Don't get too comfortable, because anything can happen at any moment, but you're ready. So be sharp. I know you're ready. I worked with Jason for the uh, last year. I've been getting, receiving briefs from Colonel Saletti. He tells me, he showed me how you are ready, and you are. So go over there, do something great, and come back safely. God bless you, and God bless your families. Thank you. More Week in Review coming up. In the second of two stops this past week in Peoria, Governor J.B. Pritzker used the Peoria Riverfront Museum to talk about work starting in March to add a wider pedestrian and bicycle lane. We get to celebrate together the many things that... Uh, We've been able to do together for the Peoria region, and there is so much to celebrate. Uh, modernizing major thoroughfares um, that underpin our status as the logistics hub of the nation, well, that's critical work. But so, too, are the changes that are uh, most directly affecting and touching workers' lives uh, across this region. Um, that dual purpose is exemplified nowhere more than here in Peoria, home to some of the busiest trucking and freight activity in the state, where those very same roads that are being fixed up carry families to and from work and school and errands, uh, including, of course, the iconic bridges that define this stretch of the Illinois River. Today, I'm very proud to announce a $24.6 million investment made in the Bob Michael Bridge that carries Illinois 40 over the water, facilitating the journey of over 17,000 vehicles each day. Construction will kick off in just a few weeks and wrap up by the end of the year. Uh, right, Mr. Secretary? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and uh, we'll reopen just in time for families to, who want to travel between East Peoria and Peoria during the holiday season. 
This modernization will make the bridge smoother and safer, not only for its cars and trucks, but for bikers and pedestrians, too, with a new barrier wall separating the lanes from its new multi-use path. And our team has designed a construction plan that allows bikers and pedestrians to make use of this route the whole time. Uh, the 28-year-old structure has been due for a refresher. I think everyone here knows that. And the full closure of the bridge will allow us to deliver those benefits faster. And that is just the latest of the renovations that Rebuild Illinois has brought to Peoria. Already, we've finished the project to replace that portion of um, Pinecrest Drive over I-74 that was too low and too much of a nuisance for far too long. We've reconstructed Peoria's Western Avenue from Adams Street to Lincoln Avenue and resurfaced I-74 from east of Morton to the Woodford County line. In 2020, we wrapped up construction on the Murray-Baker Bridge project on time and on budget, even with all of the challenges of the pandemic. And that's a big deal uh, for government to deliver something on time and on budget, uh, but that has been the hallmark of the work that the Department of Transportation for us has, has done, and I'm very proud of that fact. The McGluggage Bridge project carrying eastbound US 150 um, between Peoria and East Peoria is on track for completion in 2024. Next month, we'll kick off the rehabilitation of the Illinois 17 bridge um, and so on. There are so many things to talk about. The capital program has also awarded uh, $39 million to the Greater Peoria Mass Transit District for CityLink service and over $30 million to improve municipal, township, and county roads without hiking property taxes in Tazewell and in Peoria counties. We're providing the city of Washington with funding to make the Knopfsinger Road US 24 intersection safer, including a new traffic signal and bike and pedestrian accommodations. And we've got big plans to replace the Illinois 116 bridge over Kickapoo Creek and uh, the UP and BNSF railroads in Peoria, redo uh, Peoria's Cedar Street extension over Main Street and the Tazewell and Peoria Railroad in East Peoria, and rebuild the Illinois 18 bridge in Henry. I told you there was a lot to talk about. Um, already more than $820 million has been spent or specifically dedicated to transportation enhancements for greater Peoria, with more to come in the years ahead. I want to thank the amazing men and women I mentioned earlier of organized labor who make sure that the work gets done. And all across the state, they're doing it um, to really lift up the uh, quality of our roads, modernize our transportation in Illinois, raise up our quality standards as well as our safety ratings. Together, we are building a new Illinois where we're uh, restoring progress here in Peoria, dedicating our capital plan to problems that have sat untouched for decades. Um, and frankly, we're taking the weight of poorly maintained roads and the cost of car repairs and depreciation off the backs of our state, state's residents and supporting hundreds of thousands of jobs along the way. So I want to thank you. Thanks to the workers. Thanks to the people who are in this room who've had so much to do with 
our success in this. And with that, it is my pleasure to introduce the finest transportation secretary in the entire United States, and that's our secretary, Omar Osman. We are here to celebrate nearly $25 million investment in another one of our area landmark bridges. We are very blessed in Peoria with a lot of good-looking bridges. The Bob Michael Bridge, Lincoln, Peoria, and East Peoria. As a longtime resident of Peoria, I will be the first to admit it just needs a little bit of TLC. The plans for the Bob Michael Bridge show just how much rebuilt Illinois is a game changer for transportation in our state. Because of the governor's vision and the support of the General Assembly, we will turn a depressed asset into something we all can be proud of. Governor Prisker has stressed to us repeatedly that he wants to see work out on the street quickly so the public can experience the benefits of our projects as soon as possible. And he wants to see the work done by skilled, diverse workforce, starting with the planning and the engineering phases all the way through construction. Like the earlier Mary Becker Bridge the governor talked about, the timeline for the Bob Michael Bridge will be condensed by closing the work zone to all traffic, except for the pedestrian and bicyclists, starting March 13, weather permitting. That means this project will be done faster, cheaper, and safer. The shorter time frame results in a lower cost versus extending the work over several years. Workers, more importantly, workers will not have to contend with live traffic and drivers don't have to travel through a construction site, a situation that provides the safest experience possible for all of us. What that all means is we will deliver this project with the least impact possible to local businesses, commuters, and residents. Rebuild Illinois literally is transforming this part of the state, improving safety, and creating opportunity. Among the investment, and I'm going to add to what the governor just talked about, in the area that are either completed, ongoing, or in the work, the Mary Barker Bridge we talked about, the McLuggage Bridge replacement, replacing the Cedar Street extension bridge that's coming down the road, the Illinois 18 bridge in Henry, and the Illinois 16 bridge over Kickapoo Creek in the coming years. Almost 40 millions for upgrade city, to the city lane, and scores and scores of smaller safety projects that are enhancing quality of life and making our communities better places to raise your family. You can read more about the Bob Michael Bridge Project at 1470WMBD.com. More Week in Review coming up. Now the perspective of one of the Peoria area's representatives in Congress on this past week's State of the Union address. It was the first such address for Eric Sorensen, a former television meteorologist in the Quad Cities and Rockford, as he was elected to replace Sherry Bustos in the 17th District this past November. Sorensen met with reporters via Zoom. You'll hear his opening statement and questions from reporters given through his press secretary. A couple of my takeaways. Um, I was incredibly encouraged 
to hear the president talk about uh, progress that's been made and will continue to be made uh, as we work to create new jobs, as we work to lower unemployment um, to levels that are at historic levels. Um, bolstering physical and um, technological infrastructure and making sure that that happens right here in the Midwest. Uh, we've got to lower the cost of prescription drugs and and really focus on the real issues that affect families, senior citizens um, every day um, in this district from the northern portion in Rockford uh, to the southern portion in uh, Bloomington Normal. Uh, but I think the point here that needs to be made, and the president did so last night, uh, was that the job is not done. We need to continue to work for the people um, and make sure that the successes that we've had um, in Congress, uh, in the 117th Congress, that we bring those successes back home so that people in our district feel it. Uh, because let's be honest, uh, the residents of central and northwestern Illinois are still feeling the impacts of higher costs, um, the high cost of gas, the high cost of groceries, medications, um, bills, utility bills, and more. Uh, we need to bring these down. We also need to be doing more to, to lower the costs across the board uh, so that more income makes it into savings accounts, uh, makes it to, um, to their children. Uh, we also need to make sure that we create good paying and sustainable jobs sustainable, meaning that it's going to sustain us in a new environment that goes to the next generation, to our kids and to our grandkids. Um, and then finally, uh, we need to work together uh, to develop plans that are going to, to lower the cost of, for people right here. Um, you know, even though that it seems like we're moving in the right direction, we understand that, that people are still hurting. I hear that when I pick up the phone and I talk with the people in our district. Um, and so we need to make sure is that we're working across the aisle and I will work with anyone on Capitol Hill, whether it's Democrats or Republicans, so that we deliver for the people, uh, not only of our nation, uh, so that we're bringing the results of a working Congress right back here to central and northwestern Illinois. And so with that, I'd like to answer some of your questions. What are your thoughts on what Governor Sanders of Arkansas said last night, especially as it relates to LGBTQ and, quote, woke culture, trying to erode people's freedom of speech? I think that's a great question. Um, my existence, um, the fact that um, that I've lived my life um, openly and honestly um, is not something that is woke to me. Um, I am proud of who I am, that my community um, respects me, um, that my community supports me, and that my community elected me. Um, I think standing up for marginalized groups um, is a noble cause, and we have to make sure that we push back against the discrimination against LGBTQ individuals. And, and I take that seriously. I take that to heart, being the first um, member of, of my LGBTQ family. Um, that was elected to Congress from the state of Illinois. Um, and so I don't believe that this is uh, some woke um, uh, wedge issue uh, that is being placed on Americans. Um, and I've seen that through my life, uh, but I believe that we as Americans are loving people and we're an accepting people and we need to move in that direction. What did you make 
of the disruptions, just an illustration of the struggle bipartisanship, maybe? Look, I, I think those were exactly disruptions. Um, I was in the House of Representatives um, as, as a member. Um, I sat with members, um, United States senators, with our Supreme Court justices, with the cabinet members. Um, this uh, body has an incredible decorum. And the disruptions, the yelling out, um, the question that I asked when that happened was, does that serve the people of that particular district? Does a member of Congress yelling out to the president, does that serve to solve a problem? And the answer is it doesn't. Um, it is a distraction. And unfortunately, it left me this morning thinking that that was a, a member of of the House of Representatives, with which I share a seat. Um, and I wish it hadn't happened, but it does not mean uh, that, um, that we can't work together uh, because there are members on the other side of the aisle that have, have already had great conversations. Um, we've met in this office um, with some of them, um, and there are people on the other side of the aisle, even locally, that we've had great conversations with because um, the great number of people in the House of Representatives want to get the work done. Is there anything you wish the president had addressed or talked more about in his State of the Union last night? I think um, the president did a great job at conveying that so much has been done. Uh, but to be honest with you, there um, is so much work that has, is, is left to make it to the Midwest. Um, you know, one of the things that um, perhaps I wish that the president would have talked about was um, uh, what we're dealing with here in the Midwest, um, that we've got people that are ready to do jobs that don't exist. We've got to fight for the people that are right here at home. And, and that's my job. Uh, my job here in Congress is to make sure that we're fighting for the sustainability of the jobs of people right here. Um, I had a great meeting with, um, with folks from our local junior colleges to make sure that they are uh, putting forth the, uh, the, the, the positions, the, the classes, the training um, that the people in our district are going to need uh, to assume the jobs of the future. What's one of the biggest goals President Biden discussed last night that you're most excited to work these next two years on? You know, I think it's, it's really looking at, at things like, um, like I just said, uh, with respect to jobs. Um, I was really um, happy that uh, the president brought up climate resiliency um, so that we make sure that we're making the decisions that are going to have the best um, effect on our kids and our grandkids. Um, I, I look at where we have to go moving forward with the farm bill. We've got to make sure that our family farms are able to exist, you know, as, as not only there is big um, uh, competition and pressure from large farms, uh, but also to make sure that, you know, we're easing the availability to get these um, uh, products to export um, so that what we're producing on our family farms here uh, gets around the world as, as easy as we can. Um, and so that's what I'm focused on doing here um, as we move forward. Rural health care is a major issue in Illinois, and Senator Durbin is working on some legislation to address this. Is this something you're going to work with him to address? Uh, absolutely. Uh, we have to understand today um, that if 
people don't have access to um, services, they don't have health care. And we look at places in, in our region um, where people are disconnected from their health care, uh, whether they don't have the ability to get to the insurance, um, whether they don't have the ability to even get to a doctor. We have to make sure things like broadband access are there. Um, so many of us in the pandemic have had telehealth visits. I know I have, and it was wonderful. Um, even being sick that one time to be able to open up my computer and talk with my doctor and get the services that I needed. But it's also understanding that there's so many people still in our district that don't even have the access to Wi-Fi. Um, and so we need to make sure broadband access is there. Um, so healthcare is a complex issue, but as we move forward, our goal has to be to connect more people to healthcare, even in rural communities, which are uh, so many people in Illinois 17 live in rural communities, and, and I will work with, uh, with uh, the senator on that. More Week in Review coming up. Valentine's Day is just a couple of days away, and believe it or not, that is a big time of year for online and other types of scams. WMBD's Craig Collins talks about that with Jessica Tharp, CEO of the Better Business Bureau of Central Illinois. Two places made me aware at almost the same time of a scam out there in the world. Uh, the scam being some sort of romance and cryptocurrency thing. Uh, the FBI is one of the two places that was putting out some information about this. And then the Better Business Bureau of Central Illinois. It seems like you're on to something uh, very, very important when you and the FBI are warning about it uh, together. <laughs> Tell me more about what this whole thing is. Yeah, well, we know that we're still putting together numbers for totality in 2022, but we know um, overall in Illinois in 2021, victims of these romance scams lost over $19 million. Wow. So it's a really important topic to get educated on. And um, what we also know, Craig, is a lot of people are victims and they are too embarrassed to tell us about it. So we know probably that number is actually much higher. Sure. Um, for any time that you've ever had that experience where someone does uh, come forward and, and talk to you or talk to anyone about it, or even just anything, I feel like, in the world of, of a scam, a trick, something where someone feels like they should have known better, uh, what, do you, what do you do? What do you say outside of the, I, I imagine, uh, most important part of the message? This isn't the first person that's dealt with, especially from the BBB. You're not the first person we've heard of that's made this mistake. Is there any other way that you help somebody uh, while also trying to literally help them uh, maybe fix or, or at least track down what occurred? Yeah, a lot of times we're a sounding board, especially with this type of scam, because this is emotional. Yeah. Um, this is directly tied to one's emotion. I mean, these are con artists that trick you into falling in love with someone who doesn't really exist. And so when you learn what's happened to you, obviously you go through a, a slew of emotions. Sure. And um, a lot of times these come to our attention through a friend or a family member that believes that their loved one is wrapped up in this. Wow. And they've tried to talk to them and they're in denial. They're like, no, this is real. I'm, this is happening. I'm, I'm moving to <laughs> wherever. Yeah. And we're going to live together. And, wow. um, and so they don't, 
want to believe it. Number one, they like the way they feel. They like the the messages that they're getting from this person and they want it to be true. Mm. Um, So we can talk to them, you know, confidentially, third party. They're not embarrassed. Uh, They don't have to be because it's just, uh, it's just us. They Mm. don't have, you know, it's not there. They're not on display for their friends or family. So we can walk them through the signs and get them to kind of come to that realization themselves, which is a little bit wow. easier pill to swallow than somebody saying, you're in a scam, you know, right. and, yes. and dealing with that. So, and, you know, I've talked to, it, it can come at us at, at different ways. You know, I talked to a lady once who had called because she was trying to check on this bank. <laughs> and, um, okay, well, yeah, we'll, sure. we'll help you with that. And so we're gathering the information and, um, you know, I always ask, how did you hear about this company? And her answer was, well, my boyfriend is in the military and he's overseas and they're not letting him have his paycheck. So mm. he needs me to send him money. And I would just like to, you know, get a complaint against this bank for not letting him have his money. And that is a classic uh, catfishing tale. Yeah. You know, they've met online. She believed she was engaged. To this person she was totally in love and their plans were made and she did not know wow. that she was wrapped up in this scam until we kind of walked through some of the steps of oh okay yeah, let's look for this bank and the bank didn't exist and kind of asking some questions about the situation and and she eventually realized that this was this was a terrible thing that was happening to her. yeah um uh, i i also want to react to another part of the story cryptocurrency is somehow involved in in what uh you guys and the fbi are all uh, warning people about, and it sounds like it's sort of a similar uh, pivot as you're describing in the conversation with someone where you all of a sudden need access to funds you can't have. I guess uh, now people are either claiming to be very knowledgeable in the world of cryptocurrency or or they have opportunities, um, and somehow that's a catalyst to exchanging money, right? Yeah, uh, this is this is really tough because there's it's so easy. It's provided a really great platform for these con artists to get money, and and it's difficult to track where it went. Um, so it's it's a really great tool for them, and um, you know thousands of dollars are lost in these types of scams. Wow. And, and taking the twist, you know, there's lots of cryptocurrency scams, anyways. I mean, a lot of these are starting to originate on Instagram, where people are clicking on a. a a nice looking image of a person and and they start talking and you know what actually i am an investor and you should get involved in this and and so they convince them to send thousands of dollars yeah. through into a crypto account and then give them the passwords and, and all the information and then you're locked out and you wow. can't get it back wow uh it's interesting you say that because actually on instagram uh and i know that i always seem to say that i've experienced one of these things when we talk about them i don't know but I, I on instagram a woman that seemed very very attractive but I didn't really think was real almost immediately. I reached out and within the first couple messages told me that she was, and I hadn't sent her anything, by the way, just so you and my wife and everyone listening knows, <laughs> I never responded to this lady, but within like the three or four messages, oh, you look very nice or whatever other compliment she gave. Uh, she mentioned being a cryptocurrency person. So I just blocked it and sent it on as a report, uh, but it was brazen and sort of, um, uh, and I know some are much more skilled at this. But crazy, the amount of people that are, are probably out there trying all sorts of versions of, of you know, seeing who might be susceptible to a conversation or whatever else it is, uh, they don't seem to care. The scam artists obviously don't care, uh, but they'll they'll try very, very hard again and again and again, all the different ways uh, to, to try to trick people. So it's it's just important to be up on it, right? 
Yeah, and this time of year is a really uh, important time. You know, Valentine's Day is coming, and if you are a lonely yes. person right now or going through something that you're um, really vulnerable to something like this, you know, just please be on the lookout. Uh, a couple of signs to look for are, you know, someone who wants to take the relationship off of the dating app or site or uh, the social media platform, and they want to do it through text or Gmail. Their goal is to isolate you um, and and get you get more intimate you know, as yeah. far as access to you. Yeah. And um, they will say, you know, oh, I've never felt this way before. I, I really think I love you. You know, it goes really fast. Yeah. And so that's a red flag. If, if you can't meet that person in person, um, you know, that's a red flag. And if they're not available to do video chat, you know, we had one um, scam tracker that came through recently and, and they were, you know, getting these messages and they're like, oh, okay, well, let's check this out. And, and when they wanted to do the video chat, they, the person actually did, and they realized that this person doesn't look anything like these images wow. <laughs> that I have been seeing. And so yeah. that was a red flag. But their goal is to get money from right. you. Yeah. So they come up with these incredible backgrounds and situations. They're overseas. They're in the military. They're doing a secret mission, or they mm -hmm. work for a children's charity. And and either they'll directly ask you, you know, I need you to send me some money. I've had this issue, similar to the story I told earlier, where the, you know, I can't access my bank. Yeah. I need, I need to borrow some money. Or they will morph this into a money mule scam, where you're actually laundering money. So it'll come across as, you know, what I need to buy some things for the children for this charity that I'm running. Um, I can't do it, so I'm going to send you some money. I need you to buy the things and ship them here for us. Wow. And, you know, thank you so much for helping us. It's so important to me, you know, and so there's very legitimate seeming reasons that they want access to your account. So sure. you got to give them the account information for them to transfer it to you. Well, and just the amount but, of time they'll spend. Yeah. Uh, honestly, Jessica, yeah. it seems like the amount of time they'll spend to get that money is probably what's tricking more and more people that you envision this scam as something you see in the email, you respond to or ignore, and it goes away in a day um, because of the internet, because of social media. Uh, there's a lot longer duration that this can take to play out. Uh, one of their well, or, or two. Oh, go ahead. The payout is huge. Right. Yes. You know, their their time, their return on their investment is huge. You know, thousands of dollars per victim. And, and as I mm. mentioned in 2021, just for Illinois, you know, 19 million that we know of wow. and, and likely more. So this is a good investment for them to really trick you into believing that you are involved with and, and in love or engaged yeah. to someone who doesn't exist. That does it for this edition of Week in Review. Join us at this time next week on this Midwest Communications Station for another recap of some of the biggest issues and events in central Illinois. You don't have to wait for Week in Review to get a lowdown on what's happening in central Illinois. For instant news 24-7, follow us at 1470 WMBD on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and at 1470WMBD.com. I'm Will Stevenson. WMBD News.